Hey everybody, this is Brett. This week we did something a little different. We have two guests. Uh, we start with a brief interview with Seth from At Gators Daily, and then we have a regular full episode with Dahlia at St. Knives. So sit back and enjoy. This is like my uh, British uh, presenter in the yeah. first, <laughs> or like an Australian documentary. Tiny legs, laughably an enormous head. I should feel kinship with alligators, but I don't. To understand why and what I'm missing, we have with us today Seth from Gators Daily, a page on the internet critically regarded, and, and I agree with this assessment, uh, mm -hmm. but regarded as the premier source of gator content on the web. Seth, <laughs> Seth I want to welcome you. You could say you. Gators Daily is the... Uh, front page of the gator internet gators daily has genuinely changed my perspective on the world yeah, on gators at least and, and a little <laughs> bit on the world because here's why me and brett here are from florida south florida yeah. i was literally born in the everglades like in the everglades park it's um i'm very familiar with gators i was not a huge fan of them um i see that that you follow university of florida you didn't go to uf did you no, that's that's just to try and get some points in there. <laughs> it's like UF. So we also went to Florida State University, and so UF was mm. like the rival. So I already had the, this sort of low-key enmity uh, for them, you know, just in the sort of like it's fun to be on your team and, and go against them. But I always thought mm. having a gator mascot was just like absolutely stupid because it, it's your mascot is something that like famously and unemotionally kills a bunch of people in your state. That's what they chose at yes. university of Florida. That to like, to me, I had a little bit of the same reaction as if like UCF central Florida, if they weren't the golden Knights, they just decided I'm going to be like the COVID Knights. Just, <laughs> it just felt like distasteful uh, for the longest time. That said, since I've been watching your stuff and maybe reevaluating Gators, I I've realized that, the whole like we are gators uh gator chop is so much less offensive <laughs> than florida state where we're just going like we are the seminoles and sixty thousand white people do like fake indigenous chants. yeah dude that the, my high school mascot is literally the colonials like <laughs> we have a guy that I, we didn't even know this when we were going there we have a guy uh Chief Osceola, he rides out on his, his horse Renegade with a flaming spear in war paint, and he slams it down at, at the 50-yard line. And everyone was really excited. And it's like, this is a tribute to the Seminole people. And, and you know, that that's, you know, we show our We're respect to justice. this. We, our, we want to show respect to, to the tribe <laughs> there. Uh, that guy is not a Seminole Indian. Yeah, that's what they told us when we were going, yeah. is that it's always a member of the tribe. No, it's just a white guy doing red face. Yep. They just get some white guy from the band <laughs> slap red face on him and run out there all things considered yeah, it's I've, always a band kid <laughs> the, the, we need to talk about the band kid to fash pipeline uh, <laughs> but, but yeah so i i i've opened my heart to gators a little bit but i i know i need to educate myself so hopefully over the next few minutes here we can sort of come to a, a deeper understanding of what is the gator 
and why should we respect it? Why I love the Gator can be kind of wrapped up in one meme that I made. Do you remember that meme, uh, that template? It was like the Doge that was really big and muscular, yes. and then the small, like little puny Doge. So I did my own version of that, but it was just both big doges with a gator head, and it was like gators 83 million years ago, and then gators now, and they were just the same. <laughs> and I think that's why I like them so much, because they literally, they just don't need to change. They're just perfect. Evolutionary gods. Yeah, they, they were here first, you know, True. Both, both in, in America and just on their uh, evolutionary progress from eukaryotic states. <laughs> like, they were here first, and they have as much right to all this as any of us. That's why I got pissed off when I saw in the Miami Herald um, that headline, Elevator going up? A gator that entered a Florida apartment complex got quickly evicted. It's just like, is now really the time to be evicting anyone, especially the gators who were here first? Landlords <laughs> suck, dude. Abolish landlords. <laughs> And it's crazy that they, they actually used to be on the endangered species list um, due to overhunting. So that's why like alligator that. farms. Um, yeah, it's okay. Alligator farms actually help like preserve um, gator populations. And they're actually not on the endangered species list anymore, which is sick. And they, they also do a lot of um, other like crocodilian uh, research and conservation. Um, so they're actually really cool places that I totally recommend everybody looking up. If gators aren't on the endangered species list, does that mean we can legally eat them again? And have you eaten gator? I have never eaten a gator, to my knowledge. Yeah, but I know, like, it's not uncommon for people to have, like, alligator bites, kind of like uh, like popcorn chicken. Like, you can have popcorn alligator. Um, there's a lot of... And even uh, people send me DMs of just, like, alligators being roasted. Like on, like on a grill with pineapple and shit. And I'm like, why are you send me this? Like, I'm not going to post it. Why are there fucking Gators Daily edgelords in your replies? <laughs> Dude, you'd be surprised. There are a whole gamut of, like, groups of people that follow me that send me some crazy shit. What are the, what are the, the sects, the, the groups that, that follow you? Surprisingly, there's actually a group of actual herpetologists and sci scientists that follow me which i think is really funny that makes total sense to me by the way yeah. I, I had i went to school for writing uh, uh masters in fine arts and one of my peers there uh, she made a lot of money because what she would do is she would write these you know, like 120 page uh cryptid slash fic stuff so it'd be like you know bigfoot fucking a t-rex or like yeah. a, a t-rex fucking <laughs> a pterodactyl or, you know, a, a gator man fucking a poltergeist. And she would sell it for immense amounts of money. So in the same way that I think furry artists get tons of money for commissions. Dude, I, it's just I like, was just about to go there. Yeah, so so if you are if you were in that community, she explained, like, where else, if you really want to see Bigfoot fuck, like, now it's a meme, of course, but back in the old days when, you know, <laughs> when, it when there were only a acceptable. few of us. But, but, like, so there was a real premium on it. And I imagine if I was... Uh, uh, alligator expert with like a masters in gator the fact that there's like a, a comedy twitter account dedicated to it i don't have a lot of choices i'm gonna show up yeah that's it's true. also sort of heartwarming like yeah they're they're people aren't study aren't, aren't becoming herpetologists because they don't like gators you know what i mean they're not like yeah uh, it's fucking nine to five studying gators hate this shit <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so we have we have that group of people and honestly i think the largest group of people that follow me is 
uh, actually like furries and that community. Um, I, I only think that this is true because when my account started, I would just keyword search alligator on Twitter and like find things to like comment on or like people to follow. And I would come across um, like furries whose personas were alligators. Uh, and I would interact with them just because I was like, you know, th- I would just get stoned and go on Twitter and like, you know, what am I going to learn today? Um, and then Honey, you, you, don't, you don't have to justify your interacting with the with gator the, with the furry community. <laughs> semantically yeah, so, irritates me, but that's that's fine. Yeah, yeah. So like, they honestly they are like the backbone of my account, and I I, I love it because they're so supportive, and like for the most part so kind. There is this weird like zoophili like zoophiliac I think that's how you say it like sect of furries who like actually want to fuck animals and so sometimes people will comment on my like I'll I'll post something that's like a gator and it's like wow so handsome or something and they'll be like God wish I could fuck that gator and I'm like Jesus <laughs> Christ how much of relax. this how much of of this is the fault of Rare the video game company that. Uh, released for the Super Nintendo, you know, many years ago now, a game called Donkey Kong Country, uh, in which the the main villain King K. Rule was famously depicted with a crown, cape, and enormous hog. <laughs> True, he does pack. He's he's packing a little bit. I like him because like I have like a ton of queer people following me. Like I feel like my my audience is pretty diverse, mm-hmm. and I think having them as like the backbone is really nice. So I see Gators bringing people together yeah, instead of, you know instead of I mean? death rolling and pulling them apart. True. Literally. Like, yeah. you know, and I'm I'm I try not to be too political on my account when all of the protests were happening uh, for Black Lives Matter. I like uh, teamed up with one of my one of my followers who actually is a fursuit artist um, and her and her girlfriend literally just that's all they do is make fursuits for people and make bank. Um, awesome. And that's like totally sick. And um, we did these patches that said, like, I bite cops. And it was a um, a gator with, like, a pig in its mouth. Oh, there's also a subgroup of mine that are K-pop stands. And there's this one song by, I think it's BTS. Don't quote me on that, Gator Stands. All right. I don't want to see you in my DMs after this episode. Well, um, if you think gators are dangerous, fuck around <laughs> with the BTS army. True. I was going to say, these are two cold-blooded, ruthless predators. When I first started this, like I mentioned earlier, I would literally just keyword search alligator on Twitter and about Monster half X of it, popped up. They have a yeah. single. Yeah. Yeah. So that song would pop up by Monster X. Like yes. half of the replies on the if you keyword search alligator, even today, are about that song. And That's a good I think it's like three or four months ago. I was like, you know what? I'm glad that no one's like DM'd me this song, but I just wanted to put it out there on the record that it fucking sucks. <laughs> How dare you? You and how many, boy were they upset. How oh, many yeah. pop songs about gators do you have? Beggars can't be choosers, okay? That's true. <laughs> when you've but got like, arguably a top three boy group out here, putting the shine onto gators and it's not enough for you. But like, what are they the song's not even about they're just like alligator, 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 alligator. Alligator, 
There's yeah, no that's meaning. all you need. It's it's K-pop. It's yeah, not it's about. Music. Dude, I'd don't rather have some like, redneck freaking banjo song about a gator than that shit. <laughs> well, you know, until someone creates that, we just have Shonu and uh, and Wano. Yeah, they're doing sick dance moves too. Yeah, rednecks can't hit that choreo. <laughs> uh, that kid who made the um, Flat Fuck Friday jingle, uh, we're actually we're collabing on a gator like album, and it's literally mm-hmm. just going to be like a fanfic alligator like love story record. When is that? When is that album dropping? Oh, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> i thought i thought you made that that song is really great uh yeah no like that kid pid pigeons that i think that's his twitter he's like flat fuck right? yeah flat fuck he he just like made that song in i want to say march or april i thought he made it on day one flat fuck friday is a fucking light to us all true yeah, <laughs> yeah I've god been, created he, it first i've been keeping it alive dude it's it's what? definitely been a thing for like a while but i just like ever since my account started, I was like, "Yo, I'm just gonna keep. I'm gonna keep this going." And now it's like been associated with my account, which I love. Like so many people, are like this is this is the only thing keeping me going through the week, Skaters Daily. Like, <laughs> you know, like every week, I, I just I look forward to those flat fucks, and I'm like, "Yo, me too, dude." Yeah, I think we have a little bit of it here. We'll play. Hell yeah. It's flat fuck Friday, you There it is, the Jingle King. <laughs> it's it's that over images of gators flattening themselves out, and in its <laughs> simplicity, it touches perfection. You know, it's like when it, pa- it really does. Picasso's uh, cubist phase. It, it wasn't geometric patterns. It was about the experience that the patterns create within the mind. And when I watch, <laughs> when I watch Flat Fuck Friday, uh, it 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 speaks to me at, at a, a real subliminal level. There, there's a sort of there's a, a a terror and beauty to it that makes me feel more alive. And there's so many questions, you know what I mean? Like, what? And honestly, I think the biggest meme of them all is that that's not even a gator. It's a crocodile. Exactly. How do you feel about crocodiles, by the way? Love them. Look at my bio. Your one-stop shop for all things gators and crocodilia. <laughs> Don't so, you yes. find it a little problematic that while gators are know. basically chill, crocodiles will fuck you up? They're aggressive. They can go yeah. out into the no, ocean. They, uh, they, they have a creepy uh, pointy face instead of a nice uh, isosceles triangle looking thing. <laughs> they're, they're like, yeah, I think they kill like 3,000 people a year or something. Like a lot. Gators kill, I think like less than 10 people a year. They're definitely, All they just want to be left alone. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I was going to say, they definitely kill people, too. I traditionally don't like gators because, you know, I, I'm from Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I was born and raised. And so, me personally, my great aunt was uh, consumed whole by a gator. Uh, my buddy lost his hand to a gator. Lost uh, three or four dogs uh, to gators. But, like, that's just my personal Damn. circle. They will fuck you up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm from Tampa. I've been chased by gators. I've had my boat bumped by gators and it starts rocking and you see them all moving into the water and you're like, well, here we go. Here we go. Me and Brett here, we're talking about uh, if we watch a movie and, and people jump into a lake, 
we feel like a vicarious terror in our guts. You know, the feeling of Every like time. being in an elevator where it, it drops down a little bit too quick and you're like, everything's just coming up for a brief moment and that's normal. Uh, I remember watching Band of Brothers and there's this moment at the end. It's like, well, we made it through the war and they all jump in the lake. I'm like the guy in the theater like, don't do that. You know, <laughs> you know, I gotta watch there. it for several hours. It could be <laughs> anything down there. But so, so one time I was in a uh, canoe with my buddy and we went into this gator nest and it was the most terrified I've ever been because they make those sounds. Yeah, oh, yeah dude, I literally fuck just with the moms. I just jumped out of the canoe barefoot and just sprinted through the swamp, just like cutting my legs on fucking sawgrass, just fist pump. There's probably a video that someone took of that day on YouTube that just like Bigfoot sighting in Everglades. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just trembling and sprinting away from it because gators do fuck people up. But I realized, you know, that was me bringing a lot of shit to gators and on average most gators aren't killing people in the same way that most airplanes aren't plummeting into the sea right it's a terrifying thing to think about being death rolled uh like yeah it's you know, pretty gruesome yeah it's it's not good and also the fact that it's so it is so normalized i remember uh, when i was at uh ucf uh, university of central florida in orlando they would just have gators on campus like, oh yeah, people send me pictures of them all the time. They're like, "Yo, check out this gator on my campus." I'm like, "That is sick." I would just be bicycling around, and it's like on your way to the art annex, you would have to go around gators stunning themselves in the road, and it's like well, this isn't normal, right? Like the fact that part of your orientation at a Florida university is like go zigzag and make sure they're wide zigzags if you're pursued. Anyway, uh, registrars that way. Most like most of the time when people get bit by alligators, it's like. It's because they were fucking with them and getting in their territory. Uh, and that's why I think it's actually against the law in Florida to feed yes. wild alligators. And the reason for that is when you feed them, they get to know you and they're like, all right, I can come close to you, you know, because you're helping me out. And that just encourages, encourages them to get closer to humans and like go into residential neighborhoods, look for food and stuff. And that's when the bad things happen. Is yeah, when they get used to it. There, there's only three things they teach in Florida schools. None of them are writing or reading. <laughs> the first one is the General Robert E. Lee. <laughs> True. The, the first one, the first one is the War of Northern Aggression. The second one is uh, Red and Black, Friend of Jack, Red and Yellow, Kill a Fellow, Coral Snakes. And the third one is Don't Feed Gators. That that was literally taught to me before I was six. Don't feed gators. Run in zigzags. And this is how you identify snakes. Anyway, your Florida education is complete. There you go. It's sort of funny being like, uh, is this something I really need to know, Dad? Or is this like geometry or whatever? And he's like, that geometry, don't worry about it too much. But yeah, the gator bit. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. This will be relevant in your life one way or another. I, I know I looked at, you posted a map of the Baltic. And you noticed that it looked like a, a little gator putting his butt on Poland. And then yes. I thought that was kind of cute. But then I looked up gators in Poland. Apparently, they don't exist. Nope. Most of the <laughs> world is inhospitable to gators. True. Uh, is this a status quo that's acceptable? I believe that everyone should have equal access um, to Gators year-round, and that's why I started Gators Daily to uh, fill in that that hole uh, in the market, you know? It is a sort of mutual aid for people that can't actually see or pet a gator themselves. Yeah. They can watch a satisfying loop of someone taking a fucking Costco broom over the back of a crocodile. <laughs> yeah, I love that video so much. I think that's kind of 
adds to their appeal is that they're these weird dinosaur looking lizard motherfuckers that most people don't get to see often you know what i mean i have a lot of people who are like hey yo i grew up in louisiana but i live in you know uh, seattle or something now and you know you're helping me you, you seeing your account you know, makes me feel like home you know what i mean like like shit like that and i feel like not a lot of people get to experience that so you know that's why that's why people like gators daily i think how long do gators live um in captivity upwards don't live of long like around me buddy 70 <laughs> yeah 70 80 years uh, what yeah no uh even longer there's been ones that have lived over to be over 100 there's gators that have seen the desegregation of schools dude there is there was a story recently about um supposedly hitler had this alligator that like survived and um was living in a zoo in moscow and there were so many memes about like haha one of hitler's like people finally made it to moscow trotskyist gator uh collaborating with russia that, that gator uh passed away recently so it was a big a big f for the um the gator community um but yeah he was like 94 well, I'm, I'm, or something that pisses me off because i wish Mossad could have got to that gator first <laughs> horse girls why not gator girls and what's keeping women from aiming higher? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so this this one girl made um, made this TikTok and it was like, hey, gator girls, like, um, let's, you know, show our favorite gators. And it was like my smallest gator. And it was like a little gator toy or something. And like my biggest gator, my softest gator. So there are there are gator girls out there if you know where to look. Um, <laughs> but see, what's so frustrating is a lot of them. It, it's like people on o OnlyFans. They they. Yeah. they they put up a communist flag in the background. They don't care, but they just know that it's a good way to get some heat. I'm fucking sick of these fake gator girls. <laughs> we, we it need used to be real... a place of refuge for me. You know, it used to get made fun of, and now they want to claim it as their own. You can make an yeah. argument about, you know, how how horse girls, you know, horse girls are like the elite, and gator girls are like the the working class. You know what I mean? Like they're the ones <laughs> getting dirty in the swamp. They're the ones, you know, getting bit. And the horse girls, they're just they're in their little booties with their little hats, you know. You know. What I never got about horse girls is do they, I ask this genuinely, do they want to be the horse or do they <laughs> want to fuck the horse? <laughs> you know, to be honest, I don't, I've, I've never been friends with a horse girl and never have really um, had the opportunity to, to dig deep, you know what I mean? And really get at the core reason of why. Well, I'd like to see that for you. I, to, I, to, to, this is like the the Doomer meme where it's just like uh, horse girl and then gator guy with the cigarette. I feel like I feel like there's a meme uh, potential here with this gator girl thing. Uh, well, I, I'll leave that to the expert. Oh yeah, yeah. Why should I vote for Gators in 2020 and not Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Gators, Gators don't see race. All right, let me let me put that out there. Um, I don't know. I think if you look at the statistics, I'm FBI crime stats guy for Gator violence. I think they do go after white people more. You know, but, but like, that who might just the, be because who are the people that are fucking around, right? Yeah, you need white confidence to like take off your camo hat and be like, I'll show that pussy Gator. Yeah, <laughs> which no, is like always. I regret that I love those stories because the shot and fraud. I know like these people have families and all that, but the last words are always just like, I ain't scared of shit. Like, yeah, fuck that <laughs> gator. I'm going in. <laughs> um, they're really good parents. Um, most reptiles don't give a fuck about their kids. Um, but like, well, it's a problem in the reptile community. It is. It is. It's <laughs> genuine. You know, 
we need some petitions. Like they they'll they'll take care of their kids for up to like one to two years. Um, that sounds like my parents actually. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> um, gators, you know, they do cannibalism. That's cool. Um, that is very cool. It's pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> when have they ever let anyone down? That's what I'll. That's what I'll say. Put that question out to you. And yeah. frankly, it's unfair for both Biden and Trump to be running as the only dinosaurs in this election. True. Ah, look at that. <laughs> Take that, Beltway. <laughs> uh, skewered. I, I uh, do. I do like the uh, the whole reptilian conspiracy theory, though. Oh, that what Jeffrey Epstein is is part gator because he also has the blood of Florida kids on him. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, uh, thank you so much of for, course, for yeah. coming I, on. Had a blast. Appreciate it. Shout out, shout out, Gators! Shout out. Uh, I do a lot of people send me messages, and I'm I'm not good about responding to all of them. But if if you're listening and you sent me a kind message, I did see it, and I I do thank you a lot. Um, like, not not gonna lie, running this account sometimes is overwhelming and gives me anxiety. But like, uh, the amount of people that are super kind does make it worth it. So it's nice to see just a, a true like an altruistic exchange where yeah. you're giving people endorphins and then they say nice things. For sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Welcome to dumb and awful. This is Brett. I really want board. This is Rob. You can find me at dumb and awful on Twitter, though. You absolutely should not. Uh, and with us this week, we have Dahlia. Yes, I am Dahlia at St. Knives on Twitter, and you can just find me all over the internet. <laughs> Truly all over the internet. Everywhere. You actually can't go to most sites without there being some St. Knives <laughs> No, uh, seriously. which is something the FBI has contacted me about. <laughs> that, that's why I tell people to just Google me now. It's like, I have a website, sure, but I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm quoted in fucking, like complex and buzzfeed and shit it's like you're gonna find my content somewhere you know so just google me congrats on the engagement by the way thank you uh yeah no i got a i got engaged uh like a month ago month and a half ago um that's been great i've just been like keeping busy with uh you know my engagement and wedding planning and writing and working on this show that i'm working on and playing a lot of uh, Judgment for PS4. I've been doing a lot of that too. Oh yeah, you're a gamer, right? You're a are you, are you a fake gamer girl. You, you, <laughs> you don't you don't even know you don't even know who Ganondorf is. What, <laughs> who's Squirrel Girl? You have to explain that. That's my favorite thing. Comics nerds they they like they have one test and it's just who's Squirrel Girl, and the answer is it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, I'm a fake gamer girl. Uh, I mostly play like. Uh, like single player stuff, like role playing games, uh, yeah. the Yakuza series, uh, sports yeah. games, wrestling games, stuff like that. But yeah, that I, I need to. I've been like off gaming a little bit, just because I don't know if it's just like brain problems or I'm just getting sick of the games. But like, I don't know. Like I, I, I play Final Fantasy fourteen, but it's like a casual game for the most part. Like the guy doesn't want it to be your main game. He wants you to like come back to it or whatever, you know, like play every uh, a little bit every month. And that's that uh, I've been playing dead by daylight, which is a terrible game. Do you know that one Dahlia? <laughs> uh, I have it. I played it a little bit. I mostly, um, I had like a, a roommate I used to live with who was obsessed with the game. So I've mostly watched it, 
Um, but it, it's, it's fine, I guess. Like, it's definitely an interesting concept, but it kind of suffers from, like, a lot of the same problems as, like, the, uh, the Friday the 13th game, where it's really not fun depending on who you're playing as. Like, it's a huge gulf as far as experiences go. Oh, yeah. Like, my experiences have all basically been negative. Like, for whatever reason, I find... I, I don't know why I find the things funny I, I do, but uh, you can play as Scream Man, Ghostface, in the game, and if that playing rules. that game, you just get dunked on all game when you play killer, as you should. There's four, <laughs> there's four human beings on the opposite team, and one of you. Like you should not have the same level of enjoyment. You should. No, it makes sense because Scream was like very, um, like susceptible to damage. You know, it's like just like a regular person yeah, in a just fucking a costume. <laughs> it's just yeah, some guy. yeah, and they they sort of make each killer like Freddy is in there. I think. Uh, Mike Myers is in there, yeah. the Stranger Things Demogorgon. They all sort of play similarly. But the one thing they all have in common uh, is as soon as the game ends, uh, the survivors call you every racial slur they can think of and the homophobic <laughs> slur. I played Dota 2 for like a 1,000 hours, and it did not prepare me for how horrible the people that play Dead by Daylight are. <laughs> That's basically, I don't know how to occupy my time anymore. I started like trying to read a book for a second, and man, that's... There's just too many pages, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I I like the articles you've written because they make you think, but not too much because it's over in like 10 minutes. <laughs> Word counts. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I try not to make my articles like too long. Like I read, I wrote like a personal essay um, back in April um, inspired by uh, my BFF, uh, Caroline Calloway. And um, that was like 10 <laughs> minutes long and that was like the longest one I've done. Why do you, why do you, what is it with white women and also Caroline Calloway in general with you? <laughs> well, speaking as someone who is uh, getting married to a white girl, uh, let me explain. <laughs> no, seriously though, it's like, I kind of like started like being like a fangirl, like as a, as a bit, because I realized like how often she was like, you know, liking and retweeting uh, everything I was saying. And then eventually like she started tweeting about me and then she followed me and people made a huge fucking deal about that, like a huge fucking deal. And then she uh, just like interacts with me every so often. She isn't uh, on Twitter as much as she has been, uh, but she's really cool. Like she agreed to do an interview with me and then ended up having to like reschedule. So she like sent me like a, a free, like a uh, piece of art that she made, which I thought was like extremely cool. Like no one's ever done that after canceling on an interview with me. So I, I think she's just like genuinely like a very cool person. What was the art? Um, it's, it's like this, uh, this small prints with this like design on it. It's hard to describe. It's like kind of abstract, but it's very pretty. And as soon as I find like a frame, I'm going to like, uh, hanging up in my room. I wanted so bad to find out that like Caroline Calloway is just like a sculptor. <laughs> <laughs> like she just doesn't know anything about like Fred Hampton or socialism, but it's just, it's just because she's just in there chiseling that rock, finding the beauty inside. <laughs> she's got time for books or writing her own material. <laughs> <laughs> well, if her Instagram stories to be believed, like basically all she does is like read books and eat vegan food and play with her cats and um post on instagram stories so that's basically her life and honestly i admire the fuck out of that i wish that was my life because it seems so fucking like chill dahlia your life is your life is on the upswing what are you talking about you you just uh 
you said white, a Slavic person. You're gonna marry a Slavic person, and <laughs> I, then I uh, am. Yeah, she. And then and then move and then move to the south. You're gonna become a a married to a Slavic person Southerner. Yes, I am. She is great. It's interesting, uh, you know, being engaged to a Slavic person because she will just like randomly like just say like Russian words, and I'm like, okay, honey, I still don't really understand what that means, but I agree because that's how you are supposed to talk to your wife. That's beautiful. Yeah, you're you're definitely living your best life. Just just move someplace outside Savannah, you know, set up real domestic. Are, are you gonna you could ride in in uh, in Georgia? Are you gonna try that? Like, aren't aren't you? You're. Um, I don't. I don't mean to like try to tell you what your identity is, but uh, you are a horse girl, correct? <laughs> I am a horse girl in spirit. I've never had a horse, um, but I really want one. And, you know, my fiance has actually, like, professionally, like, done, like, you know, horse shows. Um, I'm not sure what the correct word for that is. Well, but... the correct word is is mule shows. It's just that people from Russia can't tell the fucking difference. That's <laughs> how Poland has been able to survive this long. It's, that's our primary output to them. They're fucking dumb. <laughs> but, yeah, no, you can actually, that's something you can do in Georgia. Just, like, God knows there's enough fucking riding clubs down there. There are. Just hop on that bad boy and canter around. It's actually a good time riding horses. Yeah, that's that's definitely my plan. Like, I want to get a horse. I can't drive. I don't really want to learn how to drive. I'm just going to, like, go horseback everywhere, and it's going to be fucking amazing. Yeah, that's definitely that's... not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, everywhere I want to go, I'm, like, hopefully hoping to, like, mostly live off the grid, I think. Oh, that's awesome. What's that about? Well, I mean, I just, I'm tired of the internet. Like, I'm a very, 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 very online person. And I have my entire life online, basically. I am very open about everything. I kind of just want to transition to a life where I'm only online when I'm just promoting something. Or, you know, sharing something important. But otherwise, I just want to be offline, you know, with my wife, uh, fishing or going horseback riding or some shit and reading books. Like, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. That sounds really good. It sounds like a massive improvement over being permanently online, yeah. You know, a lot of people say, like, oh, you can't do that. You have to promote and all that. But, like, I feel like, Dahlia, you, you've reached a sufficient level of uh, commoditization of your personality that it, the work's done. How much more promotion <laughs> do, you, do you need? Well, you need fucking 50,000 Twitter people? You got it. I don't really measure success in Twitter followers. I measure it in projects that I'm doing. So like uh, articles that I'm writing, um, shows that I am working on, podcasts that I'm lending my talents to. Uh, I want to both be, I, I kind of just want to be like a media figure. Like I am technically like a public figure at this point, but I just kind of want to just be all over media in various degrees and just just be all over the place. But also I want to like disconnect and only promote myself. That's the key right there. That's going to so save my you, sanity. You want to be in media, but only seen on your terms and also not playing the online game? Yes. I know it's uh, Bless your heart. impossible, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably positive growth. Your shit's going in the right direction, huh? I'll tell you what's not going in the right direction. Mega transition. This country. <laughs> this we got it. It's sometimes I think the clowns in Congress are. It's it's a. It's not a big tent party. It's a big top party. Whoa! I wish I was dead. <laughs> I think it a lot. I think pretty much every day I have to read another article about fucking stimulus bills. 
Oh my god! So where stimulus were bill is the name of one of my clients. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Because uh, where we're at now is let's see. Uh, there is nothing. That's where we're at. There's nothing. What are you writing? Fucking French literature? <laughs> That's some maman died shit. Uh, no, where we're at is uh, the Dems passed all of the Republican-based stimulus in the spring, right? With really Re- Republican-based stimulus. I'm done laughing now. <laughs> are you? I, I. It's just that sometimes words have multiple meanings, and the ambiguity there it makes makes you chuckle. Uh, anyway, so they they passed a bunch of uh, stimulus bills in the spring that were all written by the Republicans. No real fight over that. Nancy Pelosi just rubber stamped them through. And then once that was done and the Republicans got what they wanted, which was a nonstop money hose uh, pointed directly at the wealthy and the corporations, the Democrats went, oh, well, maybe now we should attempt to pass something worthwhile. Right. And so in May, the House passed their like wish list bill, which it's really bizarre. There's no coherency to it at all. And they build it as like, this is a messaging bill. Well, now we're done and we don't have to do anything until the $600 additional unemployment insurance expires uh, at the end of July, which it now has, of course. And the week before that happened is when they started on the new stimulus round of negotiations. Right. The reason the timeline is important is because every single person in the Democrat Party knew what was going to happen. The unemployment insurance expires at the end of July. Everyone's been talking about it because it's really fucking clear that that's a problem if it just goes away and things aren't better. And instead of doing anything to sort of force the Republicans to the table at all, like, I don't know, maybe not pass and rubber stamp the bill funding DHS and the Defense Department above the levels they were already at while they're in the midst of abusing protesters in the street, instead of withholding that funding in return for like stimulus, uh, they rubber stamped it. And now we're like, damn, why don't the Republicans negotiate with us? So what we have now is nothing. They have passed nothing. They can't agree at all because the Republicans have really no incentive to bother. So now we're two weeks in, nothing's been passed. Trump said like, fine, I'll just personally do some executive orders to like fix this shit. So we have an executive order to continue no payments for student loans right huge by the way uh biden is the one uh that helped create and spearheaded the bankruptcy bill that makes it so that if you are you know any other organization or individual you can declare bankruptcy but student loans cannot be discharged in bankruptcy that's biden so i've had a wage garnishment basically non-stop for a very long time uh trump deferred that essentially giving me a 20 percent raise at the job that i still can't believe i have uh and now he's extended that through the end of the year i think very uh coyly of Barr and miller um uh, credit to them for being extremely manipulative literal fascists uh now it's trump's doing the whole well you know if you don't vote for me biden's definitely going to turn on those student loans again and good luck getting that stim- like i mean he's not wrong yeah they, they initially were going to try to write a, a $1,200 check to everybody, a check to absolutely everyone, and Pelosi is the one who shot that down. Like, it's very easy to go like, yeah, do you really think the Dems are going to go to bat for you? Because they clearly are not. They're, they seem, if anything, they seem frustrated that they're forced to do things. Aren't they trying to sue Trump because the as, sure. as, the, as the classic uh, umpires... They're just there to enforce rules and procedures because they love that shit. They don't even do. They don't think they don't think too hard about outcomes because then you'd have to 
uh, grapple with the fact that they never achieved them. Yeah, they're trying to sue him because he, so he did the student loan thing. He also did an executive order to extend uh, unemployment insurance at like $400 instead of six. It's, it's a really bizarre system that involves taking funds from FEMA in the middle of, or excuse me, at the start of hurricane season. So that has a, tons of terrible ideas behind it. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to work at all anyway. And then he also didn't, you know, this all came in in the last day. So he also did an executive order to, oh yeah, to roll back payroll taxes, uh, which somehow magically is going to filter down to regular people, but definitely is not. It's going to fuck social security probably. Yeah, it's going to fuck everything. And that's pretty much it. That That's that's where we're at. And so they, they called it laughably, but sorry, Pelosi called it laughably unconstitutional, which... Okay, that, that hasn't done, mean anything at this point. Everything he's done has been laughably unconstitutional, and you haven't done a fucking thing to stop it. So why would this be different? Yeah, how can you be mad about constitutionality when like Mitch McConnell exists? Anyway, uh, sorry, I just I just blacked out and was channeling Ari Melber for a second. <laughs> anyway, have you guys heard Biggie? Oh, where was I? <laughs> <laughs> fucking hate that guy. Biggie? Uh, I did for a long time because I was a pot guy. Um, I, I just don't really like the way uh, Biggie rapped when I was a kid. But no, Ari Melber, because that's how he convinces <laughs> that's how he convinces boomers that he's cool. He's like, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Trump's got 99 problems, uh, but impeachment is no longer one. And instead of like a rational person being like, oh, OK, kill yourself, Ari. <laughs> people go like, now there's a guy who's down with the streets. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'm inviting him to the cookout personally. I don't know about you guys. He'll be the most <laughs> excited person that's ever been at a cookout. <laughs> Wait until he finds out what like good greens taste like. He's going to be astonished. Soul Plane 2 featuring Ari Melbourne. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm there night one. <laughs> I'd show up for that. I saw Bad Boys 2 at a midnight showing in South Beach, Miami. That's my Citizen Kane. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that had to have been amazing. It was, yes, you're correct. It was absolutely <laughs> amazing. Think think of, uh, imagine the scene in your head. It was better than that. <laughs> Those movies really are made for like, to, to, be, to be experienced in a theater, like just total sensory overload. They lose a lot on the small screen, unfortunately. <laughs> They do. It's like, I have a fantastic television. I have a pretty decent, like, little soundbar situation going on. And it just, it doesn't compare at all. Like, I really wish I was still in a movie theater. That's, like, my, like, my happy place, basically. So, COVID sucks. I'm uh, coming out on the podcast as anti-COVID. I think it's bad. <laughs> um, and I, I miss spending $10 for a small bag of popcorn. I really do. That is the whole reason I would go to movies is like, you know, Don Draper and, and uh, Don Draper and Mad Men would like say, I'm going off to movies, but it's really just like an excuse to go fuck. And then he'd come back and like Peggy would be like, oh, it's funny. How do you not know about this movie? Didn't, didn't you see it? And he's like, shut up, bitch. It was Mad Men. <laughs> it was a different time. But, oh, but I love that show. I love that show. And I love that. Uh, whole plan that my every time i go to the movies I'm, i have no idea what's going on on the screen i don't care i assume it's wes anderson or some documentary uh, i'm just there to eat the the angelica theater tub of popcorn which they don't expect you to come back and get refills but fucking expect me <laughs> <laughs> when, when you see me walking to the snack bar you should dive under there like you're fucking an old-timey western bartender <laughs> 
If I um, am able to do a popcorn refill at any sort of chain, I'm doing a popcorn refill. I am absolutely recouping some of my money. So this just made me remember. Uh, I, I was so I was on a, a a date, like a first or second date or something, and I, I could tell like this was not like there just was no connection. Uh, so I just fucking house housing the popcorn and just like not even making conversation. <laughs> and then on the way out. On the way out, I I popped open my cup of Coke and just filled it to the top with butter from the butter squeeze thing to take it home. <laughs> I was like, I got more popcorn at home, just in case. Because <laughs> you know what? That night was not going anywhere positive, and at least now she got a story. <laughs> just sitting there pumping the thing into my Coke thing, like, you can do that. That's free refills. That they can't stop you. <laughs> You know what? The only issue that I take with that fantastic story is that speaking as someone who used to work for a theater chain, it is not butter. It is buttery topping. Okay? That is canola Yeah, if I wanted oil. butter, I'd, I'd pop down the fucking bodega and buy a stick of butter. I want that buttery topping. <laughs> I like that it mostly stays as a liquid until I get home. Yeah, they would get very mad at us if we ever called it butter. It's buttery topping. That is how you say it. <laughs> it reminds me of Starbucks. They're like, don't call it a frap. We don't have the, the trademark on frap. Call it a frappuccino every time. And it's just like, this is, just fuck me in the ass. Just don't, <laughs> don't make me do this. So, I don't care. So basically no frap November is like every day for them. They fuck. Yeah. They fuck. <laughs> every single time I, I'm at, at Starbucks and I have to like order a, a frappuccino, which, which not for myself, usually I'll pick up for, for someone else. Like, I know that that's like the frosty machine or whatever, where everyone working there hates it so fucking much. They always just say the machine's broken. But anytime I have to actually make that request to the cashier, I just feel so much just pain and empathy that I just want to reach out and like stroke the barista's cheek like Joe Biden with a disabled person. <laughs> Jesus. It was so uncomfortable. Do you have a clip of that? Uh, the, him talking about that? I don't Dahlia, think... did you see that? I did. It was, um, oh boy, it was, it was bad. It was incredibly uncomfortable in so many ways. And that's saying something because Joe Biden is like the master of being uncomfortable with people. Like this is the guy who kisses his granddaughter on the mouth, like all the time in public. Uh, that's, that's like, remember when Lil Wayne was like, yeah, I kissed my daddy. It's, it was amazing seeing that, uh, same excuse proffered from the granddaughter of the next president of the united states <laughs> yeah so what i like to kiss my grandpa right on the lips he's a powerful man like, that whole family is fucking awesome and deranged they really are they are they're amazing oh and, uh, to put the capper on the uh the economy thing because we just uh went right by that that's because nothing's happening. There's nothing going on. Yeah, there's nothing on. to fucking talk like, about. There's, no, just, there's nothing. They're just like, we don't have a solution. We're going to go on vacation. Trump was like, I don't know. I could pass some bullshit, even though I have no idea how to run any administrative tasks. And that's just where we're at. Just, it, uh, he's just bumbling around like a fool. Pelosi is talking shit. But everybody went home. They're just on vacation for six weeks. So Are they really on, on recess right yeah, now? Yeah, they're really on recess right now. For six weeks? Yeah that rules yeah just uh, they're like well we'll pick that back up uh you know after all of you have been kicked from your homes that's like a, a nypd level of like knowing you cannot get fired 
Yeah, that, that's what I keep telling people when they're they do the like. No, but it's the it's the Republicans' fault, and it's like. Listen, have the Democrats at all approached just like people who think it's a big concern? No. If they did, you'd be like, well, why the fuck would we go on? Why would we leave? Here, we just passed a clean, single stimulus bill that's at this level, right? A lower amount than whatever we passed before. And just you can you could do so many things to keep forcing it through. You could also just say like, no, no one's allowed to go on recess. You could hold you could basically hold the Republicans hostage for once and demonstrate that there's some actual like grave need to get something done instead of treating it like business as usual, which is what they're doing. So, I mean, fuck them. I mean, from their perspective, it's like, yeah, well, we don't normally we don't do shit or deliver for you and y'all are basically fine with it. So why would <laughs> it's true? Why would until you I mean, all of you are basically begging each other to vote for our sundowning candidate here. Is this really when you first push back against us, then we might slightly re-examine. But to be honest, here in New York, uh, people protested for like a month straight, fucking tore up so Soho, uh, were in uh, clashes with the instigating police, and uh, the outcome from our all Democrat top-down city and state government was fuck all nothing, literally nothing. Yeah. Now they're nothing. Now they're decamping outside of uh, black lives matter protesters homes for hours on end even when even when the fucking president of the united states just calls in federal uh troops when he clears peaceful protests all the the ardent constitutionalists and the people about the rule of law they didn't do shit no there's basically nothing they turned around and passed a bill funding it and we're still supposed to just go vote for them. So, yeah, enjoy your six weeks. No one will notice. And again, they passed that bill right before they knew uh, the unemployment insurance expired. So they could have held that hostage. It could have held his fast money hostage. And instead they went, well, we don't want to do that. All right. Well, fuck you then. You clearly don't have a problem with us all getting screwed here, which is what's happening. Meanwhile, stock markets continue to rise. <laughs> Hey, uh, I will say that my stock in AMC is rising, uh, which is great. <laughs> so that's all I have to say on the matter. How is that possible? They posted like 100%, no, 98% loss year over year in revenue. Like, how the fuck is their stock going up? Well, they just had the uh, annual shareholders meeting. And um, I suppose they must have like quieted fears at least a little bit that they're going to have some sort of plan i know theaters are going to be opening in some select markets uh i'm sure that can be like a countrywide opening until basically like a vaccine is widely available but i feel like they're gonna like figure out some plans i know amc has um its own subscription service uh, through the Stubbs uh, account where you can just like rent movies. And I feel like that's been like a really good business for them while they're trying to kind of recoup a lot of the losses. Uh, so I think that's why the stock has been going up. It's, it's so ridiculous to me because uh, AMC is the one that like when Universal in the spring uh, release was like Trolls World Tour or whatever. Uh, AMC was the one and, and, and Universal said like, oh, we did. It actually did great doing a pure digital release was awesome. We made, if anything, more money like it worked great. Like AMC threatened to not threatened. They claimed they were going to ban Universal movies from AMC theaters forever. And then all of like, I want to say a month ago, they uh, did a new deal with Universal saying like now the theater window will only be like 14 days or 17 days or something like that for Universal movies. Like they'll only be in theaters for two weeks. Uh, then we'll, we'll still keep running them in theaters, but then they'll go to like 
iTunes and whatever for you to rent afterwards. Yeah, well, Universal should just put their movies in like the back pocket of their jeans and fucking sneak that shit right in because AMC is dumb as fuck. <laughs> I don't think AMC is dumb exactly. It's just the problem is that um, they're They definitely... only hosted BTS's live concert series for two days. You want to tell me they're not dumb? <laughs> the problem with the movie theater industry is that uh, studios have all of the leverage because of major studios yeah. like Disney or Universal or Paramount pulled their projects out of theaters. Like, what are theaters going to show? Like, unfortunately, like, I would love to go to a movie theater if they predominantly just show, like, smaller budget movies and indie stuff, but that's not what drives in money. So they're basically at the beck and call of studios, uh, like Universal, for example. So I'm not surprised that the theatrical window got cut. That's been long in the making that's been a fight that's been happening for years and COVID has just been kind of like accelerating a a lot of what has been slowly happening to the theater uh, industry this whole time with people like Netflix and uh, even Amazon where they never really do theatrical releases it's more and more people in the movie industry aren't even bothering in the first place right like you have digital only players but fairly quickly strangling their main business but it's been kept afloat because like most of the big studios still like they uh, they like the idea of like tentpole franchises and you go to theater and everything. And so it was interesting to see Disney this week announcing that like their live action Mulan movie, which everybody assumed like there's no fucking way they're going to release this until theaters are open. They said like, no, actually we are going to release it. We're going to release it on Disney plus. So you already have to be a Disney plus subscriber. And then it's going to be an additional $30 on top of that. So it's $37 basically because the, the month of Disney plus alongside $30. I think it's an interesting idea. I'm not ecstatic about paying $30 for any movie. Like since COVID started, I have not paid, you know, like the $20 suggested price for any like um, straight to VOD release. Um, But honestly, I have a lot of questions about that because it's like we spend $30 to like quote unquote own this while we are a Disney Plus subscriber. So I'm wondering if we let our account lapse, do we lose access to that license? Um, It just, it seems weird. It seems like a way for them to like, kind of like let us like believe that we own something, but we really don't own anything at all, which is of course a problem with any sort of digital media, but I feel like it's going to be like a lot more apparent now that they're tying it directly to having active accounts. Yeah, that one's really interesting. It's also uh, like there's a fundamental question there of like, at some point it'll just live on Disney Plus though. So like, why am I purchasing it again when I can just wait until it's, you know what I mean? Or is that going to always be behind some weird paywall? This movie will forever not be part of the normal Disney Plus streaming service? I think eventually they're probably going to add it to the main library, but it'll probably be like way after most people have seen it. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. That just seems like the most logical uh, point because I don't think they're going to like want to have like a paywall behind like all of their tentpole films because that's going to just drive people mad when they start doing this more often. And then you're having yeah, exactly. like um, like brand new Marvel movies that are behind a paywall like three years after the fact. Like I don't think they're going to do that. My theory is that they don't actually want to succeed that much, right? Like you don't price something at $30 because you think it's going to be widely adopted, right? Uh, especially like a digital release, thirty again, I should say $37 because you already have to be paying for the monthly to get it. To me, what it is, because like they're, Disney is the number one proponent of keeping theaters alive on the studio side. Like they go out of their way to talk about it all the time. 
which makes sense. Literally a third of all dollars made in movie theaters last year were from Disney, that Disney was making most of the money from theatrical releases. So that makes sense. I think it's really just them going like, we have, we're getting too much of a backlog. We have to release some stuff. So like, let's try this because if nothing else, what it will tell us because they're releasing on their own platform is it tells us exactly who are our really psychotic Disney fans. Like who's poning up 30 fucking dollars for a digital version? Because like that is super valuable information because the, the big appeal of doing any sort of digital stuff is that the more sophisticated you get, the better your price discrimination gets as far as pricing something for the exact amount that someone's willing to pay. And Disney's whole thing is trying to turn you into one of those Disney psychopaths who buys everything, who just spends all their dollars on it. Mm -hmm. so, but to me, it, it's way less of a like, we want it to be successful and demonstrate that like theaters are dead. They really don't want that. And more of a like, we just need to recoup some money. And in the meantime, let's get some data on our customers. Like, let's really figure out who we've got here in this brand new platform that we just launched not even a year ago. Yeah, I think you're exactly right on that. It's going to be giving them some very valuable customer information. And, you know, also it's just another avenue for money. And it's also going to give them more leverage once theaters do widely open up so they can say, hey, we made all of this money releasing Mulan and potentially Black Widow uh, doing this model. So you need to give us an even bigger share of the pie. Otherwise, we're just going to keep doing this. And of course, like movie theaters are absolutely going to buckle. And in like two or three years, like movie theaters are basically just going to exist just to be showing like temple films and that'll be it. Yeah, that does seem to be like, I, I assume they're going to have to shrink massively as well. They could do like a IMAX model where it's, you know what, every once in a while there's this massive blockbuster that is worth actually going and seeing on a huge screen in a dope system with other people. But for the most part, like I spend more than $30 every time I go to the movie theater now. Yeah. So to just sit on my ass and pay that same amount, I mean, I don't give a fuck about Black Widow or whatever, but if I did, I'm sure I'd be like, yeah, why not? Yeah, it's still too steep. Like, with my For AMC me, we're a bunch of fucking <laughs> socialists. <laughs> True. Well, I mean, with with my AMC pass, I was paying uh, with tax uh, just about twenty seven per month, and I was to see up to three films every single week, like no matter wow. what. And also, that would give me like special uh, privileges to see like certain films that uh, may cost more, but they'll let you see it for free anyways. It's like it just it made so much financial se uh, you know sense that paying 20 or 30 dollars for like a rental or like a temporary ownership of a license just seems like insane to me yeah that just seems so ridiculous also like i don't want to own the new mulan movie <laughs> i just <laughs> i just like i haven't seen a single of the live action disney movies they've done yet even though i i uh, i love pretty much their entire back catalog of like animated classics right but for some reason, every single time one comes out, I'm like, this is it. This is going to be the time I watch it. And then I, I never do. What is the impact of, and this is something we saw around uh, Star Wars, another series that we just gave up on, right? Yeah. But you remember when Star Wars came out, uh, Disney just put, they either own so many media outlets or they can put immense pressure uh, because of the yeah. leverage they have over the media, they can put a, immense pressure out to like cover. Oh, I think we uh, uh, leaked a script accidentally because there's so much uh, hype over this movie right here. Or, or wow, people are saying this is the most anticipated film ever. Just taking straight lies and, and marketing PR and having it just supped up by every single uh, yep. outlet. If you're stuck 
at home because of COVID or whatever, and you really care about the Avengers, you have nothing to do. You're, you're a star for social connection. And now here's a big tentpole film that on Tuesday, we're all going to be talking about it and everyone's hyped about it and, the, and all the, the, the reviews and, and the watch party. It's all happening and it's going to be on Tuesday. And, and don't you want to get in? It costs $30, but you know, you're not just getting the movie. You're getting the whole media cycle for that week. You get to be a participant and say what you think. And actually the ending, but of a, and fuck you, Matt Zoller, whatever. Like that's yeah, yeah. at that point, they kind of got you. Like, I like the idea that they're selling participation in the, in the actual conversation rather than seeing the movie itself. It's it's way more because that's how HBO's been doing it for a little bit now. Of like, you won't know what the fuck people are talking about if you're not watching whatever is like the new Game of Thrones episode. Yeah, that's that's absolutely been HBO's model. They they've done it really successfully. Netflix, you can tell, wants to do that, but I think they've switched over to just, we'll release it all at once and try to dominate for two weeks of like, you have no idea what's going on. You better watch this entire shit right now. Well, yeah, and like with Netflix, especially like they have that, you know, really obviously fake system of like a top 10 films of that day. (laughs) So they can like drive consumers towards specific, um, you know, pieces of media that have no bearing on what actual streaming numbers actually are but they're basically like directing the conversation like this is what we are everyone is going to be talking about uh today like you need to watch this and there's other stuff here too but just look at this and we're going to pretend that this is like the number one movie in america with absolutely no data behind it that we're going to show you like it's it's fucking insane <laughs> that's yeah i my favorite thing about that is that list is always just magically one of the top three will always be some netflix original that you've never fucking heard of and never seen anybody mention i i mean in some ways i like that better than the the problem with the disney thing of doing the full court press across all of your different venues like they did with Disney plus where they just had ESPN anchors just shilling straight up that you need to be going to watch this fucking streaming service. And it's like, well, how do you guys have anything to do with this? But it's the problem with that is you get, you get the point of just overload where you're like, I'm just burnt out. I don't, I don't fucking care about star Wars anymore. You've done it. Congrats. I was obsessed as a child. I'd never thought I'd reach the point at which I just genuinely don't care and won't even watch the end movie. I just, you've done it. I have, I have nothing left to give. It's to really media. startling because Star Wars was such a, a big part of my like, uh, like lonely child in the Everglades Same. life. Like just taking, taking that fucking, I really like the Endor. Um, what do you call them? I'm, now I seem like I'm not Ewoks? a fan. Oh fuck! I'm so stupid. No, the the Hoth speeder things. Oh, I love those. Yeah, I just take those because they were oh, more durable than the X Men. <laughs> well, okay, don't you just open a, a fucking Sarlacc pit of whoop ass right now? Because the problem was if you had the, the Y wings, the T formation would fucking break off when you're playing with it rough out, outside, and the S foils on the X wing, uh, if you kept them close. Uh, yeah, you could do it, but now you basically look like a fucking R-Wing from Star Fox, and that, that was a whole different uh, set of imagination I was doing. And I didn't like that sort of cognitive dissonance, so you have to pop the S-foils open, but now again, it's more delicate. And the little nubs, the things that uh, shoot the photon torpedoes, they look like a, antennas at, mm-hmm. at the four points, those broke off almost immediately. Anyway, what I'm, what I'm saying is I spent a lot of time reading books about like that had titles like The Coruscant uh, Shipworks, and it was about the company that was in Coruscant and, and made. <laughs> it was like, oh, no, the Krillian cruiser was actually not 
uh, uh, created on Corellia. It, it was from Coruscant. I was so deep into it. And if you told child me that there would be a final sequel to end a fucking nine chapter space opera and I wouldn't even bother seeing it, I would probably think that my life was as depressing as it is currently. <laughs> I'd be like, what happened to that spark of life? And I'd be like, buddy, I got nothing for you. That was the first that was the first thing I ever found at which I could actually like bond with my dad even a little bit. Yeah. No, I got nothing. They're like the Mandalorian's apparently great. I have no interest. I just don't care. It's it's I think it's the overexposure thing. Like anything you enjoy on a long enough timeline, not not even just on the, the human cognitive level, but just the hyper acceleration of capitalist culture in this country, like it will be ruined. They yep. will frack that well dead. So don't get too excited about anything. Hey, I have clinical depression. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's crazy because like they'll like remake and reboot like literally anything at this point. It's like, why is no one trying to reboot like world championship wrestling? That is my question. I demand answers. That's so crazy. You say that um, because I literally just, Sometimes when I talk, I bore myself, and so I have to open Twitter reflexively. <laughs> uh, and trending right now is, rest in peace, uh, Kamala Harris died. Um, it's, however, the uh, Kamala Harris, the famous uh, wrestler, the, U <laughs> the Ugandan yeah. giant, Kamala Harris. Oh, yeah. no. Cool dude. R.I.P. Uh, yeah, absolute king. Uh, Starcade 86, he, he said... Uh, Bring me Hulk Hogan's head, which is like the second most iconic line reading of that behind Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. <laughs> look, she killed. Look, she killed Gawker. That's uh, that's an accomplishment. Kamala also never collaborated with Peter Thiel, so probably the favorite Kamala Harris. <laughs> yeah, I'm, or a person I, with that this quote. This hurting my brain hearing positive things about Kamala. <laughs> Like, obviously, his character was incredibly racially insensitive and was written by, oh, white, was by white writers. We, we can't even include a photo. No, it's oh, bad. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Rob just showed me a photo. It, it, makes, it makes the Book of Mormon's depiction of Uganda look like sterile. <laughs> I will say that, like, um, Vince McMahon's interpretation of the character was, like, surprisingly woke, though. Because, like that Kamala in WWF like back in like 92 or 93 or whatever was like clearly being abused by like his handlers and like he was like actively scared of them and he didn't really want to like destroy opponents or whatever and it was like yeah. kind of like a really oddly compelling like critique on like like the Atlantic slave trade and you know missionaries and all of that shit and it's fucking wild like I was watching like I think, like, the first ever episode of, like, Monday Night Raw, like, the other day. And I saw, like, a clip of that. And then I just went through this whole wormhole of, like, watching, like, his WWF stuff. And this is, like, really strangely super compelling. And I don't think they realized, like, what they were doing. Like, it was very accidentally woke. That's, like, the motto of wrestling. They, I don't think they realize what they're doing. <laughs> same uh, for better or worse same as it ever was. They're just throwing shit out there. I don't know. Roman Reigns, anything no okay goldberg does do it for you fuck uh this this guy he comes down from the from the ceiling it's it's really cool what okay we'll get a different guy to come down from the ceiling then. 
wrestling's like the king of like accidentally woke angles like i'm pretty sure when uh ecw had the first like lesbian angle that they weren't thinking about oh my god we're breaking huge ground for the lgbt community they're like no girls are kissing this rules (laughs) they also had the first men's right activists right did they yeah and chris benoit (laughs) (laughs) you know it's so weird because i have been doing this project um since the start of quarantine where I am watching all of the old uh, WCW like Monday Nitros and also the pay-per-views. Hell yes. From Thursday Thunder, right? Thir- I haven't gotten there yet, but I do remember them. Um, but I'm, I, I started from like the formation of the NWO at Bash at the Beach 96. So I was in Florida. Yeah, and I've been watching so much of Chris Benoit like actually like doing these angles where he's like kind of like verbally abusive to like his for real wife that he murdered like 20 years later and it's fucking insane watching it oh no it's really horrible you, oh it, it's so it's, hard that is just extremely bad <laughs> like i i didn't get into wwf like vince mcmahon just pissed me off for whatever reason and degeneration <laughs> there's a lot of reasons Degeneration X, it was like it was sort of like the pickle Rick, uh, Rick and Morty thing. Like I'm sure there's, uh, it's a great show. Uh, like Dan Harmon is very funny, but like the uh, the audience ruins it for me. Do you know how irritating it would be to be in fucking South Florida during Degeneration X with like ten year olds going like two words, Rob, suck it, and doing the X? I'm like you. <laughs> You don't even have a dick yet. Who is sucking you? Nobody's sucking your dick. <laughs> this is stop this, right? At WCW was Ted Turner and Eric Bischoff, and they were absolute psychos. But NWO, Bash at the Beach. They were they were they were gods. They it were was gods. amazing. Yeah, like it ruined them though, because it was so successful that they got trapped into the fucking NWO factions until there were like eight of them. Yeah, exactly. That was the whole problem because like they clearly had a sustained idea for at least like through 97 up to like the, that Starcade fight with Sting and, and Hogan. They had a great, perfect, maybe like the best angle of all time. And then after that, they were like, fuck, we're selling so many NWO shirts. So like we can't disband the NWO. And then they had like all these fractures and then they came back together and became the NWO elite. And then that basically just like ruined the entire promotion and it ate itself and it's just it's really sad because yeah, was, it was fucking incredible like watching even like these like nitros from like 96 like i have been doing incredibly compelling tv like even now looking back you know yeah no i i watched every single one i i think they they got they knew what people liked and so they just kept pandering despite it absolutely tearing apart the coherence of of their kayfabe like I remember being a child and just asking, okay, who who paid for this venue to rent this venue and who is doing the paychecks? Because there can't be WCW and five other like subunits that are all pretending like they're independent organizations. Like, wait, the NWO is going to take over the WCW? How's that? <laughs> what where does the Wolfpack come into this? What It initially made sense at first because Yes, at first. Yeah, they're like fourth no, their fifth member was uh, Ted DiBiase, and he was like the quote unquote financier. And then if you watch the Million episode, yeah, if you watch the the uh, the episodes now, it totally makes sense because that's when like the production ramps up. That's when they start having NWO t shirts. Uh, they start having like uh, real commercials and all that. 
and then you know it just it got to be too much like you said it just it just grew to be too big but at the time it made total sense for like that first year or two black and white nwo was was solid but then it became too fuck like we don't need big papa pump scott steiner in there we don't need (laughs) eric bischoff we don't need a fake sting eventually they're just like okay you guys are we're clearly the bad guys now we're losing some heat so why don't we just do a all your faves nwo and i don't know maybe they're a good guy and they're they're red and that's where wolfpack got me that was just kevin nash big diesel mm-hmm. right the greasy italian guy who fucks <laughs> um wait are we talking about uh, scott uh, hall or disco inferno it's so funny that, yeah, Disco Inferno is an all-time great. That guy got paid just to show up and, like, shake his ass a little bit and then get dunked and suplexed, and then he'd just go home. It was, it was yeah, anyway, uh, Wolfpack was great. It's just uh, they had Riva La Rasa guy, which was my first, like, uh, experience with, like, racial politics. I was like, what's this mean? Long live the race. Oh, it's like a Mexican labor thing? Oh, yeah, Conan. Okay. <laughs> Conan fucking ruled. Conan was awesome. And then Sting, which is like, yeah, we got, look, we got all the types right here. <laughs> look, good. I, I'm not going to lie, like, black and red Sting fucking ruled. Like, that was a sick look. Sting was my, Sting and Kevin Nash were my absolute favorites. Like, they were just... I mean, they're both just disasters, but it's better than like Lex Luthor and fucking no Lex Luger and and Hulk Hogan and Scott Steiner. It, if you're a kid and you're like, oh, I love Big Papa Pump, you're you're a foot guy now. <laughs> you're a fucking pervert. Well, speaking as someone who actually was a huge fan of Scott Steiner, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, I don't, I don't miss. No, I got Patreon not. takes over here. <laughs> You know, it's it's funny. I actually wrote down like a ranking of like my favorite of like the main Wolfpack members. Yeah, no, let's. I would I would love to hear it. Okay, so starting at six because I didn't include anyone who was only in the group for like a month or whatever. Like, so there's no there's it's no important to be rigorous. Yeah, there's no Miss Elizabeth here or anything like that. I mostly just kept the guys who were either uh, in the group until they were injured and left, or they joined NWO Elite. So. Number six, Disco Inferno. I had to mention him. He rules. He gets on the list either way, just because yeah, he's the best. Absolutely. One of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Yeah, number five is Conan, who was like such a workhorse as like a wrestler. Like he was so good. Really good with the crowd, too. He was. He was, definitely. Uh, number four, Scott Hall. I, I, I have always loved Scott Hall's work. I love a character where the concept is just like, I don't know. And this is something you see a lot in wrestling, like, yeah, okay, so uh, this guy, your your thing is, uh, I, I guess you, you fuck pussies. That's it. There's there's like 10 different guys that are just like, I'm not going to go through, but like, you know, Shawn Michaels, fucking Mr. Ass, fucking Scott Hall. Like, they're all just like, hey, what's up? Uh, I probably fuck. And that was their entire concept. Well, he started as being like just this obvious uh, heel who was basically copying like the Scarface movie. Razor Ramon. Yes. And then he came to WCW virtually doing the same character, but going by his real name. And we just went with it. And honestly, I was I was still fucking with that. Like, I thought that was great still. Oh, yeah. that I love when they did that with uh, X-Pac came over for a bit, didn't he? Yeah, he was six. Oh, he fucking ruled. And it's just like, I don't know, just give him a different... No one gives a shit. They're just happy to see their faves <laughs> here. They had high-flying moves in that group. 
Like they, did. they were throwing splashes, jackknife power bomb. It's a fucking miracle I'm not in that, prison for the amount of people I power bombed. <laughs> Speaking of that, number three on my list was Kevin Nash, who I'm always gonna be a huge fan Big of. Big sexy. Yes. He was not always great in the ring, but he just had like a, a presence to him, you know? He was very much a, a mentor to me. You, you know, when people are like, uh, rest in peace, David Bowie, you know, he, he showed kids like me it was okay to be weird. Uh Kevin Nash taught me that you can basically if you're big enough and wide enough and and people just don't expect much of you, you can just coast along with very little work. When he first appeared in WCW and he was like on the mic for the first time, like he literally did not know the difference between a verb and an adjective. And he was still threatening as fuck. Like he ruled. I liked his version of, of being a functioning alcoholic way more than WWF's competing alcoholic, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Steve Austin was the type to be like, it's beer time, boys, and crush him on his head or whatever. Kevin Nash would literally just be at Bash on the Beach with, like, a can of beer, just fucking gut out, hoping that that Scott Hall would, like, razor's edge someone into the powerbomb. <laughs> that, that dude was not doing suplexes. Yes, my quick power ranking to get away from the Wolfpack rankings, my quick power ranking of functional alcoholics in wrestling are number one, Kevin Nash, number two, Sandman, and then number three, Steve Austin. That that checks out. I mean, based on based on the booking of the period we're, we're talking about, you, I think you have to put Eric Bischoff in there. <laughs> That's a fantastic point. He, he might be like a, a 1A, 1B type of situation there. Wow. Well, I have a controversial number one. Uh, well, first okay. of all, number two is Sting. I mean, I have to put him on there. Ooh, it is a controversial. Yeah, Sting was everyone's fave, I think. He just yeah, like, he had it. Yeah, he was. I love goth Sting like so much. Like, oh, yeah. He was the <laughs> perfect building of like a uh, of like a baby face to take on like the evil organization and then he eventually joined one of the evil organizations but but he was the anti-hero right yes like he, he had he had been slighted by his time and by the way ended up overshadowing the ultimate warrior who is a hardcore or was a hardcore like trump maga uh, reactionary guy oh, yeah. and sting broke off changed his face paint and then excelled solo without him and warrior never forget forgave him for it it's fucking great yeah i didn't know that at the time but i just like the fact that he had he had a trench coat and a like in the matrix and a baseball bat the lights would go off and then for some reason he'd, he'd be in the ring it was all very cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah sting sting managed to make that character work so well that he was like in his like 50s in impact wrestling being a champion and being like a huge draw and like having like a really solid like second career like he made that shit work this is maybe a stretch but to me it was like the next iteration of rick flair and he has that same sort of longevity right where there's just like an obvious physical presence and way about the ring and because the moves are all like you know the scorpion Deathlock is one of the most boring finishers like <laughs> possible outside of the figure four but like bret hart at least made it somewhat innovative but sting was just like i don't know i i, I stole three other people's uh finishers but they're basically easy enough to do and i don't have to talk too much so uh, i'll keep doing this forever and he was right good on him rick flair had that great uh, final match against Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, and then he's like retired, and then like, fuck it, it was like six months later. He's like, hey, I'm on TNA Impact now, and it was sad. Like he was way past his prime at that point. 
Yeah. Ric Flair, I'm having a, a hard time holding these alligators down. It's just like, you're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! Iconic. He doesn't have to be good at wrestling because he is the best on the mic. Ric Flair, the nature boy, just incredible persona and presence. My number one is a super controversial pick, but I have an explanation for it. Uh, it's actually the Macho Man, Randy Savage. I think that's fine. I mean, that that's you picked a legend. You you picked like you know uh, Tom Brady on the Buccaneers. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I always fucking love Randy Savage. God damn, like the best fucking promos, hilarious one of like the top tier of like in-ring technicians he just fucking ruled and then by the time he was um you know in the nwo he was just just having fun not really giving a shit he looked really great in like the black and red and like the black and white also like it just it worked you know it's i i love randy savage i gotta support him in all of his endeavors uh r.i.p wrestling power to a real king i miss him yeah, love to see him. Love to see him give it to Hogan for many, many, many years, like all the way to the end of his career, all the way to the end. He was doing flying elbow drops and shit. Everyone loves The Rock. The Rock came up with the people's elbow because he didn't want to have to climb the turnbuckle that much. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Hogan's atomic leg dropper. Which, shut the fuck up with that. At least my, I'm watching a 70-year-old man climb the turnbuckle and just launch himself and then sell me <laughs> Slim Jims. If that isn't excellence, I don't want to be excellent. <laughs> In keeping with your theme, that feels like a very trad list, actually. You've picked, you've picked <laughs> the, you. the biggest, number one biggest Hall of Famer. Uh, number two was the most popular one at the time. Number three was uh, Big Sexy himself, Diesel, uh, number one functioning alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Four, uh, Greasy Italian, right? Uh, uh, five, uh, Labor Shoutout Guy. And six, a character built around a music fad that was dead for decades before he was even around. <laughs> yeah, that, that checks out. Thank you. Yeah, I put a lot of thought into that list. <laughs> Speaking of The Rock, you know what else is cooking? Uh, <laughs> bon Appetit. <laughs> I am begging you to shut the fuck up now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, you know, it, it's easy to criticize art because it's subjective. Uh, but first of all, The Rock himself was not cooking. He was not the person being cooked. Uh, which is that there's some ambiguity in the language there. Two, if anything, they're cooking less because they have fewer people in the test kitchen. <laughs> Fine, you know what's not cooking? Speaking of, of the rock wondering, uh, you know what? It's hard. You know, I, I, it's easy to criticize, but it's hard to create on your own. I, I take it back. <laughs> I got nothing for you here. Great transition. <laughs> Crush it again. Uh, You're like the Dems. You've got that transition. You got credit for uh, that transition. Not because you did anything good, just because it feels like there's no alternative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so Bon Appetit had like a really terrible week with their test kitchen staff. Two months ago, um, they fired their editor Adam Rappaport uh, because Adam was uh, pictures floated of him in brownface, which like yeah, get the fuck out, man. And afterwards, Condé Nast, who owns Bon Appetit, 
came in and said like, listen, we're going to totally redo things. We recognize that perhaps things have not been equitable and fair as far as representation and pay, but we're going to fix that. And they stopped producing video content. And then this week, the, the first news about it was like, oh, actually, uh, almost every single person on their staff who did videos and was a person of color has quit now. So they ended up losing four people this week. They lost Priya, Sola, and Rick. They, they went through the negotiation and they all, all, all three of these stars came out this week and said on Thursday, hey, they're not paying any of us fair wages. So we're not doing this anymore. Like we're out. Uh, we're dipping out entirely. And then on Friday, Molly Baz uh, announced that she was also going to quit the YouTube out of solidarity. So they lost basically four of their like, they only have like nine recognizable people and they lost half of them in two days because Condé Nast refused to pay people. I just think that's really fucking incredible. I also love that they released this, uh, you know, renegotiated uh, salaries that they're doing that basically still doesn't really pay enough to people of color. And they're like, big solution is just like, oh, all these recognizable names left. Cool. We'll just get some random assholes to just do the show for us. And it'll be practically the same thing. Yeah. They clearly think they're going to slot in whoever they want, which uh, good luck. Yeah. I, I feel like that's very inspired because they're trying to build their show the same way the New England Patriots like build their team rosters. All white. Yes. Beyond that. <laughs> no, they're like letting go anyone who ever asked for a raise and they're just going to scrap together a team of just like random parts with the hope that like the house style will be enough to get them by it's it sucks it sucks and i don't like it when the patriots do it i sure the fuck don't like it when test kitchen does it so it, it, it's bad folks yeah i mean both of the, that's an abusive labor practice basically right saying the minute you recognize that you might be valuable and are perhaps being underpaid we're gonna let you go the second that you make that realization you're out uh, a few of them, I think as Priya said, she was like, under the new deal that they tried to give me, I could technically make less money. I was like, how the, how the fuck does that work? Yeah, they're basically just repeatedly sh- like shooting themselves in the foot. And they're wondering like why people are criticizing them. It's like, dude, like you are purposely fucking up every single step of this process. Just do what people are asking you to do. It's that simple. I hope what all of them are doing is just starting their own channels. Because you're the personality. People are there to watch you. You guys could just, you know, like the house style isn't, uh, that's not a thing you can't just imitate because you totally could. You could just steal the house style. You're the personality. Like I'll watch Priya wherever you go. That's what uh, a lot of BuzzFeed on camera talent did that when BuzzFeed tried pulling the same shit. It worked out pretty well because, yeah, uh, people are going to BuzzFeed to see the human beings that they like listening to and, and seeing. Yeah. It's food. You There's a ton of recipes out there. You form a connection with the person delivering it to you. So I, I hope it works out for them. Um, yeah, so those two viral Biden clips that I saw recently online have just really painted a very accurate uh, portrait of how the Democratic Party is treating this election. Because on one hand, we have the clip where he's arguing about his mental health test. And... He- <laughs> <laughs> That one's so rough. That one yeah. was rough. And also, like, Errol Barnett deserves an award for keeping his composure during that interview because I would have lost my shit and probably gotten, like, my press pass taken away because what the fuck? What happened? I, what happened in that one? Did I see that one? 
Well, basically, like, uh, he was asked if he had or would take a uh, mental test, like the same one that Trump bragged about acing or whatever, that isn't really a judge of, like, IQ, more so. It's just a, te a test to see if you do or do not have dementia. And he immediately unloaded on, you know, this uh, Black interviewer saying, well, when you took this job, when you did this interview, did you have to take a test to see... You know, if you were hooked on cocaine, are you a junkie? And I was like, oh my God, like he just went off. It was insane. Please clarify specifically, have you taken a cognitive no, test? No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? The ending of that was great because all he had to do, and you could see like, as he approached it, you could see his eyes light up, and he's like, okay, just stick stick the landing, Jack. We got this one, and, and we're, we're taking it home. All he had to do is say, I have physical and mental fitness. <laughs> and what he said was... I am, uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental my physical as well as my mental fitness and uh, to, uh, you know, to make a judgment about who I am. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> so uh, it's it's amazing when you're trying. First of all, the fact that you're in a conversation uh, competing uh, with another man over whose brain is rotting more—that <laughs> that's the premise. That is that is that is the the firmament that you're building your rhetorical home on, <laughs> and, and then you can't say physical and mental fitness he took two runs at it before he just went ah fuck it i'll still be president and he he there was like a moment of lucidity too where i was like ah he's back on track now he's like yeah but the american people know that i have like completely fine uh physical and fit, fit, fit and i was just like oh fuck no it's happening <laughs> it's insane watching him repeatedly do this and then having liberals be like oh no that's ableist you can't bring it up why aren't you talking about Trump? And it's like, dude, they both clearly have some major mental instability issues. Like, can we talk about both of them? Like, it's okay to have two conversations at the same time. It's not ableist to have, like, uh, certain prerequisites for important jobs. Like, I'm, uh, look, I, I'm liking every DSA Disability Caucus post. I, I think they're, they're mostly raising very good issues, right? Mm -hmm. But... If you are legally blind, we don't let you drive the buses here in New York. If you can't speak or think because you're at the phase where it's it's not a shameful thing, like that is that's what happens when you know you get old, like things break down. Like I got I'm fucking breaking down already. So I, I understand. But it's fair to say, like, yeah, I don't want this guy driving the bus. Yeah, it's also worth asking, like, why are only two options are both ancient and failing? Like, that's what the system offered up, really? Just two desiccated fucks. <laughs> Somehow Joe Biden is more grisly than his own death mask. <laughs> if Joe Biden ends up winning the presidency, it's going to be the funniest presidency of all time. Like, every time he says, come on, man, like, I lose my shit. It's so funny. I love that line reading. Come on, man. I will say I watched the Swan interview with Trump and I'm like, oh, this is the big one that libs were like, it's, you know, the Australian journalist, yeah. uh, Axios, I think. Uh, and it's like, wow, this is 30 minutes unedited, just him and Trump. Oh, wow. Look at how dumb he is. Right. 
I got fucking bored 10 minutes in. Like, <laughs> Trump is uh, basically just a, a credit to Hassan for this one, but he's just a dumb baby brain, essentially. Like, he's a, co- he's a coherent, spoiled baby. And that's just, uh, you know, people get sick of their kids. I'm sick of fucking seeing this guy and his politics or shit. Biden is like a completely different... Biden's like accidental. He's like, what would have happened if Hunter S. Thompson never slowed down and kept living? He'd yeah. eventually reach a point where it's just like psychedelic Skeletor and he's fucking touching and wailing everything around him. <laughs> and then in his oh dimension, his first thought as a comeback against a black man is like, oh, you must be on drugs, right? No, on the opposite side of that, he also had that clip um, speaking with NPR where he said that, you know, unlike the black community uh you know the hispanic community has like a lot of like diversity of opinions and whatnot like that was he was super racist twice in the same week and no one's really talking about it it's amazing that he's just like yeah there's not a lot of diversity in the the black community you know it's like you understand that big boy and andre 3000 (laughs) were in the same group (laughs) (laughs) And they made it work. Like, did you listen to Speaker Box and Love Below? Yeah, we have a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot to learn. Oh, my God. That maybe offended me just a little bit more than even, like, the whole, like, drug insinuation. Just because, like, he was so open about it and so concise about his criticism of the black community. Well, it turns out uh, that you're wrong. You're incorrect. Because if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you ain't black. People moved on so, from that so quickly. That lasted like three days, and everyone was like, okay, we're bored of this. I don't ever want to hear woke shit ever again. Like, I will continue to act with empathy, but not because the media is guiding it in any fucking way, with any authority. The fact that they just, they just shoveled, like, Me Too into the canal and forgot about it. Yeah. They removed all references in his campaign to Me Too because they know he's a, a fucking sex creep. He can say anything he wants about any races he wants. He can fucking fat shame people. He can do misogyny. He, he can just trash everyone. And the media just goes like our hero. You know, I, I'm like a lot of people wary of ever parroting anything that the right, you know, has also noticed. But the fact is we do exist in almost identical material ground level conditions so like there are certain observable realities about the universe that you pick up and one of them is that like mainstream media is completely glossed over what would be absolutely disqualifying issues for any candidate but ones that really do seem to not just be gaffes but things that inform his view of the world it's absolutely incredible that it's very obvious that his uh, call for a return to normalcy is basically like make America great again, but with more focus on having malt shops return, which honestly, I can vibe with that. (laughs) I would love a good malt shop. The return to normal is absolutely the exact same reactionary conservative politics. It's the exact same thing. Like they're they're not even trying. They're saying nothing better is going to happen. All we can give you at best is a a return to a status quo that fucked most of you and that got us into the current situation we're in. That's what we're promising. Nothing improved, but eh, maybe it'll be just be a different kind of shit that you're more used to. Oh, yeah. And then just the whole fact that he's really trying to bring back this classic 1950s style of America. The racism actually makes a ton of sense. He's like definitely 
playing to the bit very successfully. Uh, I'm just, I'm very over the whole situation. And once Trump is gone, at the very least, we'll have people kind of stop saying, like, uh, pointing to him, basically saying, like, oh, well, we have to just get rid of him. Everything else is good except for him. You know, they'll just, like, find some other fucking awful, terrible bullshit excuse for continually fucking over America. But at least it'll be a little bit different, maybe. I mean, this is exactly what they're saying about Trump is what they said about Bush. Like, word for word, it's the same. You're, you're, you told me that it was the end of democracy when Bush was in charge. It's the end of the country. He's destroying everything we hold dear. Yeah, the first, um, the first uh, election that I really was old enough to really pay attention to was 2004. And I, I absolutely remember all of that. It's incredibly similar to how this election was playing out to the most part, because you have this really dumb, awful guy who is the end of democracy, and he's so stupid, and he's so evil, and we clearly need to elect this fucking jack off over here. What is he good at? I don't know, but you know, he's not him. It's just, it's the same fucking playbook. And it's, I cannot believe that we're reliving this like 16 years later. Yeah, to me, it's the Dragon Ball Z problem. Uh, so are these guys really different? It's hard to get excited about the exact same sort of villain problem every time. Like, how are we increasing the power level here? And they're like, we're not. The last villain's cool. Freeze is our best friend now. Don't fucking think about it. I would love a, a colorful silk anime shirt of Joe Biden <laughs> in the Super Saiyan style. <laughs> it's like a red silk shirt and all his, his fucking... Does he have hair? I don't know. Not really. Yeah, it's just a fucking fireball of molestation charges. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's totally, he's totally on fire and his eyes are red because they're on fire and not because his brain is actually leaking, which is actually going to be like... A huge plus for him. He gets the Dragon Ball and he's like, my own granddaughter. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, Vegeta doesn't seem like that bad a villain now, does he? Oh my God. Okay, so clearly I just need like a Joe Biden body pillow now. Thank you for putting that into my head. I feel like you could just text him and... and skip to the real thing <laughs> i feel like he probably has my number he's gonna hit me up one of these days with a you up text it'll just be come on man <laughs> uh, uh, li listen listen jack you're looking you're looking real good and i i what i'd like to get is some physical in, in the physical um huh. <laughs> i, I, I want to come in your ass <laughs> Probably shouldn't say that, but, you know, that's how it was. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm literally crying. I hate you guys. <laughs> I always cry at least once listening to one of your episodes because something is so funny. I did not realize that was going to happen, like, on the episode I'm actually on. So this is, this is great. I'm glad we could provide that service. Dolly, I'm, I'm just sort of curious. Uh, how did you go from being a Republican to a Nation of Islam uh, member in Milwaukee to thinking that Folklore is a good album? Can you just walk <laughs> me through that political journey? Oh, my God. I have... That shit sucked. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, that's like for white girls that think Lana Del Rey is too trashy. 
<laughs> I was that whole shit. It's red was better. Folklore fucking rules, so fuck you. Um, <laughs> I've said my piece. I'm okay. <laughs> well, I'm living my truth. Folklore rules. Um, but no, like I definitely had some friends when I was like around 16 or 17. Um, I wasn't really into politics, but they really got me into like, you know, like Republicanism. What, what aspects of it? If you're not into politics, but you like Republicanism, I mean, at the time, I would say that, that you know, um, I don't know your age, but that was like very culture war-y, you know, back then. So what, what aspects of it appealed to you? Just like personal liberty, I, I think was the main thing. Like, you know, quote unquote, big government, leaving us alone, etc. Um, and then eventually I wound up being an actual card-carrying member of the Libertarian Party, which I am very embarrassed by, but I bring up to people so they can know, like, you can recover from being a dumbass. <laughs> or you don't have to. You can still, you can stay a dumbass and just switch ideology and try that out for a little yep. bit. God, God knows there's plenty of extremely stupid uh, former libertarians on left Twitter who now just want to argue about the the approximate date of the nep versus the holodomor or similarly absolutely arcane uh did you know i took apib class bullshit <laughs> yeah that was that was the whole thing and like i was a, like an anarcho capitalist for like a little bit and then i realized wow all these guys are super fucking racist <laughs> and then i oddly enough got really um like radicalized by malcolm x actually um i i do believe that that, yeah. that guy was a smart dude <laughs> it seems like yeah. the dude to do it he, he said a lot of really persuasive shit yeah he at at the same time was um pretty socialist but also like very uh conservative at the same time and i guess like it just kind of like struck a chord with me at that particular period in my life i read his mm -hmm. um autobiography with uh alex haley that was just phenomenal i think i read that book like fucking like 10 times or something like that yeah no you you know your malcolm x shit there's uh dahlia did a uh, a really good episode of kino lefter where they uh watch the movie and they go pretty deep on it oh yeah that was yeah, a you must blast. Have been into it. yeah that was a blast i love the movie um and if you listen to that podcast you can hear why uh, but it was just like, it was a great experience for me. And then I eventually just got into like the Hotep side of Facebook for a while. It was just dumb enough that it all made a whole lot of sense. And then I eventually just became, you know, interested in joining the Nation of Islam because at the time I actually lived literally within walking distance of Muhammad's Mosque number three. Uh, so I joined that for a while. Um my wife at the time was a little less ecstatic about it um but she was there too and eventually i just kind of like cut bait with the whole thing um a when i started to realize like just how conservative the nation of islam really is and it wasn't really the sort of like vision that malcolm x had towards the end of his life after he had left the nation of islam and also they were talking about fucking ufos and shit and it's like i believe in aliens but the way that <laughs> they were talking about it i do not believe louis farrakhan has been on a fucking ufo that guy's a goddamn liar and i am not gonna stay in the nation of islam and support the million martians march like that's not cool for me <laughs> speaking of farrakhan like how did all that mesh with you being jewish well i mean 
being Jewish hasn't really been like a huge part of my life until like the last few years. Um, I have like some Jewish ancestry, but like I wasn't like raised Jewish. Um, I definitely came into that um, very shortly after I transitioned actually. And I started like exploring family history and then I started to go to temple. Uh, you know, now I'm a reformed Jew and I'm very happy about it. Uh, but I don't think it would have meshed well at all if I had been raised Jewish. I probably wouldn't have gotten down that path at all. Well, it's a path that got you here, so. You know. That's true. Got me got me onto the show, so it, it worked out, I guess. <laughs> I'm in a broader here. That's It's a very <laughs> different moral of the story if the here we're referring to if, is the dumb and awful podcast versus your flourishing life. If this is the terminus of that story, I am so sorry. Yeah, that, that's, that's a real <laughs> fucking... That's some real Eastern European cinema ending right there. Well, I, I do have to say that a big factor in me actually exploring the nation of Islam is because this was like immediately after Trayvon Martin got killed. And I started to get really exposed to just how brutal um, a lot of like just anti-black racism is because I've been kind of hidden from a lot of it because I was raised in like a multicultural family um, for a long time. I didn't say the N-word, for example. I just didn't, it didn't feel right. I didn't feel black exactly. I felt mixed. But then as I got older and I started to pay more attention to the news, like I felt a lot more black than I ever had previously. So yeah, this was like the nation of America, like at its zeitgeist talking about like Trayvon Martin and all this other shit. And it just like, it was like a perfect storm of me uh, going to Temple. And uh, yeah, it was a weird experience. I'm glad I never, uh, I never stuck with it. That's really like encouraging though. And it's one of those things that like, I, I really wish like the left could just embrace is that like the journey is long and all over the map for many of us but like who fucking cares if it means at the end of it you got to the right thing you saw enough where you were like oh okay i see what i've been missing i've explored these other options like it makes more sense i would much rather have that right somebody who has seen a variety of different like ideologies and beliefs before they locked in their ideology than somebody who's just been here forever and has never really thought about it or questioned it yeah exactly i just feel like that's a huge problem with the left where they just have their cult, like their own inner culture wars where they're just arguing just about like dumb leftist theory shit that really doesn't matter and <laughs> yeah. they all have their own specific camps and they have their dumb fucking flag emojis in their Twitter names and it's just it's too much. And if you <laughs> if they're ever approached with anyone who had a slightly different uh less white bread uh you know experience at home, then all of a sudden they freeze up. And they either think that you are some absolutely awful person or they think you're just not worth talking to. And it's just, it's way too close-minded. They just are not accepting enough of other people. And like, there's also this tendency to just not talk to other people. Like, how are you going to convert people to our side if you're not actually having like actual conversations with anyone who doesn't already agree with you it's an ideology of empathy you fucking dipshit. <laughs> now fuck off <laughs> i'm smarter than oh you. oh my god that sounds like half the like socialists i end up blocking or like anarchists i end up blocking just because i see them on my timeline and, and i'm like there's there's too many all caps words in this tweet i'm just gonna block this person <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I shouldn't feel like I'm being yelled at every second of every day. Yeah, I, I, w I would uh, think that the left would understand 
even better than most because a lot of us have had experience with the democratic parties like scolding us into being good people does not work you need to have human conversations with people you need to actually explore ideas and actually get together and build a community like i'm sorry like if you sound like my ex-wife when we're talking about like fucking theory i'm not interested i'm not sold i am not joining this little fucking group of yours i've sort of seen parallels to growing up i grew up fundamentalist christian and i mean it's the the modern left and that culture is not entirely different uh, one of the ways being that there was always this emphasis when you were evangelizing, like, here, say this and then say that. And then there'll be a, a logical argument and make sure when they bring up dinosaurs, you say this. There's actually a whole YouTube market, much like BreadTube, that is just like uh, pastors going around and getting into debates and trying to lo- logically convince someone into accepting Jesus. That never works. Because you logically owning someone just makes them resent you and want a distance. You're belittling, you're belittling the person that you're trying to convert. That just doesn't work. Like, I don't want to join a group of people who immediately out of the gate think I'm a fucking moron, you know? Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't work to convert, right? It, it is just a, a sort of vanity and narcissism, which is always what debate is. Like, rhetoric is, is for the audience, not swaying the other person. You, you'd find... another more appropriate social structure if you actually wanted to sway them and the one that always worked uh for me god help me is just like be fucking normal be (laughs) be a person that that just wakes up puts your clothes on fucking gets a coffee and a bagel isn't fucking creepy or weird to everyone is is nice to be around helps people out and then people will go like hey you know that Aiden, Aiden is like the most white Christian name. Like, go, <laughs> you know that that Aiden over there? He he's just a he's a real sweetheart. What's what's the deal with him? He's like, oh yeah, he's a uh, Mormon, say. And you'd be like, oh, I guess Mormons are nice. That is such better recruiting yep. than fucking hitting people with an analysis of the Pentateuch and the priestly writers. Like nobody wants to hear that. Also, you, there's no, you have no ground to stand on logically because in the same way that Marx could not imagine what socialism would actually look like in practice in the material conditions around the world. Certainly uh, in 2020, there's no way he could have anticipated all that. Uh, I mean, uh, Lenin, all these guys were really just, they had an idea and they had a, a structural analysis. They, they had the fucking dialectic. They had ways of trying to form a, a paradise a better world eventually but it's very obvious that this is a work in progress and nobody has the answers already and so it's very weird to act like you do and growing up where people are like yeah i'm pretty sure it's heaven i don't know what it's like or what it looks like but you know i think we have to take these certain actions if we want to get there it okay okay i, I can go with you but don't be haughty about this because you are just sort of having faith that what you're doing is the most right and those sort of sanctimonious church ladies everyone hates yeah they managed to combine sanctimonious with uh the, the worst of libertarian and liberals because i mean so many people on the left pass through there right so you end up bringing over the same like logic and rhetoric these are the things that work scolding people works and like no that's all bullshit even outside of that it is fucking embarrassing and ideologically inconsistent for you to identify and wrap everything about yourself around being a leftist 
And then in the middle of a fucking depression, when people are losing their homes, you want to argue about the goddamn Holodomor. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I feel like there's a good number of there's a good number of people that uh, only discovered leftism because they got banned from the Bioware forums. <laughs> yeah, it does have that vibe. It's it's like it's like there's like there's there's so much suffering and carnage right now in this country. Like, I get that it's difficult to engage with all of it or even most of it at all times. But I would ask that you don't engage with completely irrelevant bullshit from 100 years ago instead. I, I feel like that's a simple ask for me, but I am going to get annoyed if I log on and that's what you're bitching about. Like, I don't care. This is irrelevant. doesn't matter to me at all. I'm way more concerned about like my family being sick in a state that's about to send them back to school or uh, the fact that like I can't fucking pay rent. Like those are far more pressing concerns to me than what some dude in another country did about a famine 80 years ago. Look, if I'm ever in charge of food production, I'll definitely dig deep on that shit. But <laughs> like, I only got so many minutes in the day. <laughs> yeah, they were fixing bread prices like way back in the day. It's pretty fucked up, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Like, I, there's just this weird fascination to try to like renegotiate the past over and over and over. And it's like, dude, no one cares. Like, we're all literally dying out here. Like, can we please talk yeah. about something that at least happened within the past like three months? Like, can we do that? I try to have empathy, Dahlia. When like, obviously, I agree with 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 you too. But like, and it is so frustrating but i try to have empathy with people that want to just stay in, in their practice of leftism wanting to stay uh in the past because frankly yes the the a lot of socialist states fell and or met really fucking horrible betrayals and ends and there's a lot of pain back there there's a lot of pain but the the pain of the future and sort of the lack of hope a lot of people have right now if you had a choice between looking forward and all that entailed and, and looking back, especially when you're just stuck in your house, like I, I get the propensity to want to wanna look back to what must have been a better time. Why not argue about that? You guys were sort of, it was a little golden age for you. Mm -hmm. And especially, again, I try to be empathetic because a lot of people can't go outside or they're just so beat down. They materially, they feel like they have little they can contribute you're so disempowered i don't like biden i don't like trump i, I want to i want to help socialism grow what what do i actually do even assuming i could do something it, it's very alienating and and tough in an ideology that that presupposes some amount of of empathy and connection and god it's just a it's a tough time to be hopeful that's my empathetic take. I, I think uh, if fucking Casher was here, he'd be like, oh, is it a tough time to be hopeful? Is it? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, never. Don't bother them. Right. Every every hero you love would be like, shut the fuck up and get back out there. But but like I understand why people are, are primarily exercising their political will through just posting at each other in circles. That would be fine. I, I think for me, it ends up with the same criticism I have of libs and any other uh, person uh, I mean, obviously, the criticism is harsher for anybody in a position of power right now, which is this is the crisis moment. So what the fuck are you doing? Like you're arguing about dumb bullshit, which like there was a moment at the beginning of the, the George Floyd protests and riots in which everybody was in lockstep that this is something we need to fucking get on the streets at. You need to promote. You need to talk about. You need to expose the cops doing all of that still happening. You could be doing that for evictions like there's a ton of stuff that is worth focusing on right now 
pick one. Like that, that's all yeah. I'm saying. It is the crisis moment. There's like 80 of them. Pick a crisis. And I get that. Like, you're like, I'm not going to talk about this all the time. Sometimes I'm going to talk about how Zuko and Aang totally should have fucked an avatar. And it's like, that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to read those posts too. But like, you know, if like pick a fucking crisis to I focus on. I thought you were on. saying Zukov and Aang. And I was like, <laughs> that's leftist as fuck. <laughs> Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. It's like the Soviet Union fell when I was two years old. We have got to start talking about more recent shit that can actually help people who are alive right now, you know? Yeah. Talk about Vietnam if you want to talk about, like, that is an actual communist country doing things in a way that seems way more competent than ours. Oh, yeah. So if you want to make the one-to-one, make the one-to-one. Like, you have a modern fucking example. Yeah, Vietnam's... uh you know, handling of the coronavirus has been basically phenomenal. Yeah, close to flawless. Uh, I mean, which is insane to think because they're on the border with China. They're an incredibly populous country. Like they're densely populated. Um, it, it's not like they're like super wealthy, like Singapore or something. Like, and yet, still somehow a collective approach solved the problem that the capitalists can't figure out. Maybe not permanently solved, but have solved it thus far so that there is uh, little to no human suffering from it. That's incredible. Worth discussing. Pick a crisis to focus on. This is the crisis moment. Like, fucking figure out what you want to do. Anything beyond bickering about dumb bullshit. As a bit of prerequisite praxis to that, keep in mind, if you want to actually, like, lock arms and, I don't know, hypothetically, like, you know, they were, they're blocking uh, housing court, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do that alone. So you need to figure out how to exist and work with other and humans. work with under stress uh, other humans. Yeah. And and so that's something that even if you feel like, how oh, the fuck am I going to take on the economic system? Like, I don't even have good fucking Wi-Fi in my <laughs> shitty part of the America. Like, I have to drive like 30 fucking miles to go to the grocery store. I live in a food, like, how the fuck am I fighting global capitalism here? Just fucking one day at a time seeing what you can do and engaging with people who are professing themselves to be your comrades with a bit more tenderness is it's not going to make it any harder uh to actually take action yeah exactly there's a reason that the brutal bloodthirsty u.s army imperialist war machine uh, puts so much stock in camaraderie and it isn't because it's woke yeah if america could get away with training a military in which everybody was an individualist and it worked really well they would but none of that works. What works is uh, having cohesion. So yeah, being able to trust the person next to you is actually looking out for you. Yeah, exactly. Even if they are, in your mind, a fucking dumbass. They're always a dumbass. It's the military. <laughs> you know that going in. But they're your dumbass. Hopefully, like that guy's got your back. And it's like, hey, it's as a Floridian, I'm very comfortable with the idea of like all your friends are dipshits, but they will have your back. And you're like, all right, I can work with that. I can get down with that personally. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. This has been Brett and Lilith Board. That was Rob at Dumb and Awful. And we had Dahlia at St. Knives. Thanks for being with us, Dahlia. Thank you. This has been an amazing experience. Is there anything you want to plug or anything uh, the, the people at home should know about? Where else can they, they they access your content? My content is all over. I am all over like the leftist, like podcast scene. Uh, honestly, just Google me. You're going to find shit. Uh, I, I can help a little bit. You have essays at Alma. You have multiple books. I think they're all poetry uh, available where, wherever you can get books, basically. I would also check out Dahlia's uh, appearances on Kino Lefter. 
they're delightful. And Drum Circle Jerk, you've been on a bunch of times. Shout out to everyone there. Those those are a lot of fun. Um, is there anything else I'm I'm missing off the top of my head? That that I, I think that's a good like Dahlia starter pack, right? I I, I think it is. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good primer for the Saint Nice experience. I think. Anyway, thanks for listening, y'all. The show accounts at Dumb Awful Show. We've been cranking out additional bonus episodes. If you want to hop on Patreon, we've got a bunch of stuff in there for you. That's patreon.com backslash dumb and awful. Uh, you can also join us in the Discord. Uh, there should be a link in the show notes. Thanks for listening, y'all. Have a good one.